Welcome to a new episode of the Open Source System Podcast. We gather several open source projects to share with you, and we focus only on open source software. And these projects are written in any programming language. For this episode, we have Mike returning from episode one. Hello. And Ricky in the rotating chair. Hello. Hey, Ricky. All right, let's get started. For the first uh, project of this episode, we've got this thing called GitUp by Git-Up on GitHub. Uh, it's got almost 4,000 stars, and it's an application. Have you guys tried it? Yeah, um, I was I was exploring my a repo I work on at work, um, and it's it's interesting. It's, Did you find uh, that it was useful to you? So I haven't quite figured it out yet. Like the I I typically use a tool called Tig. Um, we can have a link for that later. But it's a it's like a what's that called line mode explorer for for Git. So it's kind of like you're using Vim bindings. So it's, um, it's a it's a terminal, sort of a GUI terminal in a terminal. Yeah, like a really crappy terminal that makes you feel cool, um, crappy GUI that is. And but GitHub is you know it's like very pretty. It's like a at least on the Mac. I don't know if it's Mac only. I didn't actually notice that. Um, but it's it's very like designery. Um, yes, yeah, so they they call it a truly efficient Git client for Mac. Um, gives you Time machine-like snapshots, a live view of your repo, of all your branches, remote branches, and so on. Um, and it's got this menu that, uh, I guess, you click on any of the commits, and you can, and you get this huge menu that will, um, you can change the commit message, um, you know, rebase, fix up, diff it with any other branch, and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically, like all the commands, you end up on Stack Overflow because you can't remember how to edit a commit. Right in the middle of a rebase. I think yeah, I think that was exactly like their intention, right? Yeah. Do you think it's better for beginners or? I don't know. That's a good question. Like I, I, I always tend to get lost in GUIs like this that are like really powerful, um, because there's so, like the choices are overwhelming. I mean, this this isn't like a a Visual Studio for Git, but. Um, I have to say, like, when I was trying to use this, I didn't quite know what to do, like, how to navigate. I was clicking on things. Um, but then you just have to look. It, basically, you just have, like, hit spacebar and <laughs> up and down arrow. Um, it's it's not terribly complicated, but I was a little lost. Yeah, from this GUI tools, personally, I like to have a good uh, conflict resolve resolver, um, which I don't know if they have that or not. I think that's, like, the most important part. Mm-hmm most useful tool that I feel I like, I'll benefit from. Does anybody have a, uh, a project that's like in the middle of <laughs> conflict to like actually try it against? I, I just have conflict in my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, when I tried it with a huge repo, I, uh, I, I saw so many branches. I mean, if you have like 10 developers working that's, on something. Yeah, I'm kind of exploring uh, a work a work project right now, and I just see like tons and tons of branches. Which is a bit hard to navigate, so... Um, yeah, I'm basically scrolling horizontally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they got, uh, you know, a cool-looking icon and an interesting site and plenty of features. Um, I know like a source tree that I use is also, uh, I think, available for Mac and Windows, which is not open source, so we should probably not talk about it, but it's an interesting competitor 
um, where they actually merge all the branches together and you, you can see um, a better view. But in this case, uh, it's it's really fast, even though if you have a huge repo, GitHub will uh, um, sort of scale it up and be super, super fast to show uh, large repos. Mm -hmm. It just took like 10 seconds to open uh, Mozilla Central. Nice. That's awesome. But that's what are the, there's almost half a million commits, so I don't blame anyone for that startup time. One thing that I found a little strange was, so if you notice the repo, you can see pull requests, but there are no issues. Um, yeah. yeah, did they just take that out? or I was noticing that earlier, too. I mean, you could disable that on GitHub. I guess they have a, a forum, and maybe that's where you report bugs. It's a little um, strange. Yeah, so it's a little different. Like, if you want to contribute to this, you kind of have to figure out their way of, of doing things. Yeah, community forums for support and feedback, um, and I guess they they prefer that instead of instead of GitHub issues. Maybe instead they tractor. Hmm. GitHub issues did not scale for them, um, or maybe they don't want to be too dependent on GitHub. And if you want to use it for, if they have to ever move from GitHub yeah. away from GitHub. But yeah, if you're looking for, you know, upgrade your Git uh, to a GUI and you want to make sure it's open source, uh, check out gitup.co and you'll get to the site and there's plenty of um, plenty of stuff to read and uh, explore. Uh, Ten contributors on the project and uh, around 140 forks, so it's doing pretty well. Uh, it's it just been open sourced uh, two months ago, so... Um, a great contributing MD file that will tell you everything and what, what to do, what not to do, and uh, they go through um, explaining how to set up Xcode and so on to build it yourself. So a pretty cool project if you use Git, which probably everyone, almost everyone does. What what language is it written in? Objective-C? Yep. 99.6%, and then if you're fluent in other, <laughs> um, there's some some other for you to work on. Yeah, uh, but yeah, if you maybe if you're looking for an example of a good uh, OS ten application with uh, open source application, you can check that out. Sweet. So next up, we got Home Mirror, which is by Hannah Mitt on GitHub. And uh, Ricky, I believe you are the one who was really excited about to talk about this project. <laughs> uh, basically, it's just like a, it's a, I believe it's written in Java, but it's basically just a, an app that sort of runs behind a two-way mirror and gives you sort of uh, an overview of the day. So you get like the date and the weather, and then sort of you can have like a to-do list of items that need to be accomplished and whatnot, and then it sort of just displays in your apartment or a house or whatever. So you, you need a you need to hack up a Nexus Seven, I guess, or something. That's that's what it looks like, yeah. So basically, it's it's uh you hack up a Nexus Seven, yeah, yeah, and then map that on on behind the window, two way two way mirror, I guess, yeah. So by hack up, are we talking like taking it apart, or you just like tape it to the back of something, or what? Uh, it looks as if you just take it, tape it to the back of something. So I don't, I don't think you completely okay. ruin the device. <laughs> well, taping is like right at my level of hardware hacking. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so that's that's encouraging to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's literally like I think she's just using like adhesive tape. Awesome. To, uh, stick it onto the back of something. So. So in these images, I guess uh, the the if it's Nexus Seven, I guess it'll be really tiny. I mean, I wonder what if if a Nexus Ten and like a ten-inch tablet would fit better for this business. And I guess you also have to worry about the the cables. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks it looks yeah. like you can use it's so it says obtain Android device. Sad old devices are ideal, right? So you could probably score like a super cheap, weird Android tablet like at the pawn shop or something. Well, I mean, even even the seven is like pretty dated now. You could probably get one pretty cheap, I imagine. Yes. So fifty-five bucks on Amazon, the one she used. So. Yeah. So. So even yeah. if it is like just a single-purpose thing, like fifty-five bucks, it's not too bad. So this when was this project created? About two months ago. It's got almost six six thousand stars, which is uh, pretty crazy. I guess it's a really um, exciting project. Everybody likes it. I mean, it's just it's just a cool. It's just cool. Like it's. It's a cool little hardware hack. It seems like uh, it also spawned a few other uh, other projects. Yeah, there's a bunch of like alternative, uh, I guess, mirror-based projects. Yeah, so people using the Raspberry Pi with a monitor and uh, Arduino and stuff too. Yeah. So whatever you have, like old devices around, you know, and uh, find a mirror and try to hack it together. So it has do to be a two-way mirror. Do you know how this works, Vlad? Like, is this just like a a home screen, or like in terms of Android, what this this actually is? Uh, so it's it's basically an app that's running uh, that you can probably set as a home screen. So, um, okay. which is pretty cool because you can replace home screens on Android. So this is an excellent uh, sort of thing. So even if you restart it, it will still boot up into that uh, mm -hmm. application and so on. Cool. Yeah, I see Hannah. She does Android engineering at Etsy. So. She knows what she's doing. I wonder if you can sell these on Etsy. I'm not sure what the law is <laughs> <laughs> around selling old hardware and mirrors. Cool. Next up, we've got Livestreamer by Tripa. And again, we're going to post all the things we talk about in our show notes so you don't have to worry about where we pronounce the names of these projects, you can just go to the show notes and uh, find the project that we talk about. Um, so Livestreamer, uh, it's uh, got 2,000 stars. It's a command line utility that extracts streams from various services and pipes them into a video player of your choice. Um, did you guys have experience with it? I actually ran, so they have like a quick start, you know, where you just, uh, you, it's a Python project. So you use pip, the, the Python package manager that you install with the other Python package manager. Um, and so it, it suggests this Twitch TV stream. So I fired it up, and it, it started flawlessly. And um, I found myself watching some guy playing some kind of weird card game. Um, and I watched it for like 15 minutes. It was really interesting. Nice. Yeah, so some people use this instead of web browsers. So it seems like, you know, sometimes Twitch is lagging in Chrome or Firefox. So they just suggest using this instead of uh, the web browser. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, this, uh, let's see, Twitch, they do video game stuff, right? Dailymotion yeah. does all kinds of stuff, YouTube Live. Um, so this is pretty cool. I wonder if you could also hook this up with, like, a webcam um, so you could spy on your cactuses growing or whatever from the command line. Just pipe that right into VLC. Yeah, that, that'd be cool. Um, one thing, yeah, I think it also does recording, so if you want to... Uh, have a you know your own way of recording your YouTube stream or your live stream, or it also actually detects um, one of those uh, adjustable streams, uh, which is probably a, not a not a non-DRM streams. So it can still record those and uh, in maximum quality and save it as a file. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one one cool thing is you can you can select the quality. Like you were saying, right? You can you can bump it up to nice, or you can you've got control over which stream it selects. Um, sometimes in the browser, it tries to do its own smart thing, which yeah, it seems like people also start writing plugins for different sites. Uh, there's this collection of plugins for every uh, different URL, uh, like Crunchyroll. Uh, what else is there? Uh, yes, Twitch and and so on. Um, so yeah, it's, if you if you if Daily Motion and YouTube and so on is on that for you, you can write a plugin and uh, contribute um, to to help other users watch the content using this tool. It's got a pretty cool webs uh, website. Uh, if you go to livestreamer.io, I will put it in the show notes. Uh, yeah, list all the plugins, all the different players it supports, and uh, obviously the API. Uh, guide and reference for your for your hacking, and they got a free node channel on IRC instead of using Slack. <laughs> Sweet, I'm I'm gonna try to use this um, next time there's World Cup soccer because oh, I yeah. always I don't have cable and I always end up on like these these weird malware sites yeah. <laughs> that live that live stream sports. I mean, it's this this seems like a great idea, like a great a great way to get. You know, get past those those sort of terrible flash players. What I like about it is people contributing, and uh, there's 67 contributors already. Uh, yeah, almost 300 issues, but I mean, it's good because people are interested in solving the problem of when it doesn't work on certain sites, or you know, um, since uh, sort of web streaming became so complicated with different formats and uh, you know ads and pre rolls and so on. Um, and adjustable bitrate, things like that. This is nice to sort of uh, have this this project around to sort of centralize the effort to be able to record and watch things easier. Rock and roll. Next up, we've got WebGLStudio.js by uh, yes. Jajenjo. Uh, this is <laughs> Javi Ajenjo from Barcelona. I'm so sorry, Javi, or Yavi. It's probably a hobby. <laughs> yeah, so we need some way of people recording their, the way you pronounce their name on GitHub, so you could just play it. Uh, like, a, like a Google, like a definition uh, audio hover sort of thing? Yeah, and this is going to be my next startup, so don't take it. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like it's a, a great problem to solve. So WebGL Studio JS. Um, an open source full 3D graphics inside the browser. You can edit scenes, materials, and so on. Uh, build uh, 
use the what you see, what you get editor, and and uh, when I checked it out, it's, it had a pretty complex UI. Um, so is the idea that you just have like a, a series of panels, and you can basically just like plug plug all the things together and, and sort of build your own? Yeah, you can import objects and uh, start new projects, and I, I like the way you know it loads up. It shows you what it's loading, all the modules, and you can have files in the server. Have... I mean, it basically looks like uh, you know Blender in the browser or something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised. It's it looks really complicated, and it's all by uh, <laughs> all, all, all by one person, pretty much. It it doesn't actually work for me in Firefox, so I have to report a bug. I can't I can't initialize WebGL. It, it exploded. Oh no. Okay. Well, yeah, it, it works in Chrome, and there's several Vimeo videos. Of... It does work in Chrome, and it looks really cool, and it's super fast. <laughs> so I'm yeah. impressed. It's also available at uh, webglstudio.org, um, and it's calling itself 3D Development Environment for the Web. Um, I don't actually know anything about 3D, but this is fun to kind of just like pan around. I've got like this um, scene, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. But yeah, cool. Yeah, so they got animation. I think it's some kind of a university project or something. So they put, put went all out and added all possible feature that you could possibly want. Um, having different windows, it sort of designed uh, like the, some of the Photoshop, like some of the Adobe tools, like Photoshop and uh, and as you mentioned, Blender and so on. Uh, Ricky, do you see yourself? I know you do a lot of WebGL. Do you see yourself using this? Uh, probably not. I mean, I, I, it seems more geared towards like if you're actually animating a scene specifically, I guess. Cool. Well, yeah, it's definitely if you're into 3D, especially um, you want to try some of the web tools. It's a good example of uh, it's got probably over over 100 different features in all different areas. Uh, uh, loading code, seeing it in the debug window when you render your models, and uh, yeah, it saves some of the scenes in JSON and uh, things like that. Uh, let's see how many stars it got. Uh, not a lot, I guess. Uh, maybe they don't. They not a lot of people were excited, too excited about it. Maybe it was Wait, too complicated. There's like 1,400 stars. What are you talking about? Yeah, but compared <laughs> to the Home Mirror project, um, all my yeah. projects have like seven stars. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I, guess... I think yeah, 21 is as high as I've ever gone. So. So yeah, fourteen hundred stars, but hopefully they'll get more and get more contributors. I see one pull request, uh, but uh, uh, it's it's a lot to sort of it's a lot to uh, look into, and uh, it's MIT licensed. So check that out if you want to build your own, uh, you know, fork this and uh, you know add support for three GS and stuff like that. It uses jQuery and uh, a bunch of extra just light GL things, light GLGS, um, and uh, Canvas Studio to WebGL. So plenty of things to uh, to look into. Yeah, I think LightGL is actually another project by uh, Javi. Uh, so he's obviously like WebGL JavaScript master. Yeah, so LightGL also 
50 stars on, on GitHub, but also fairly recent. Uh, started two years ago, and uh, yeah, it's it's sort of if you want a different environment than 3JS, um, you can look at Light JLJS. Good work. Excellent. So next up, we've got the N1 extensible mail client, and it's almost got 10,000 stars on GitHub. Um, Ricky, have you tried sort of try, trying to use it? Uh, I tried to download it, but I guess due to overwhelming popularity, uh, they're no longer allowing you to just download it outright. So you have to actually like sign up via email and, and I guess wait. Yeah. Uh, has anybody like have any of you guys managed to get it running locally or anything? Not yet. Um, the, yeah, the download button wasn't working, so I opened the console and and it's talking to me to apply for a job. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's as far it is. As I got. It's an Electron app, so I mean, I assume that you could probably just clone it and then run it. All I see is this sh script, though. This is weird. Yeah, so it's what they're going for. I guess they're trying to build an open source mail client, which uh, something like Thunderbird, <laughs> but uh, in Electron, React, and Flux. Um, they want to make sure it's extensible. Um, I think you can write your own plugin to support things like Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo Mail. Mm -hmm. And um, they also have their own sync engine, which is also open source. Um, and they don't have a Windows version yet, but they're working on that. When I tried building it, though, I don't know, on, in Node 0, 010 and 0, 012, it did not work for me. So I think I'm missing some of the libraries, and it's not just as easy as um, NPM install this. Seems like it requires some some work. Yeah, this, I mean, in, I'm always excited about mail clients. Um, <laughs> right. Like, um, yeah, like that's not sarcasm. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll look forward to checking this out whenever I'm allowed to download it. Um, I don't know if, if I'll go build it. Um, but yeah, it looks cool. What's what's interesting is I guess you can write your plugins for filters. You can uh, write uh, you know somebody wrote a GitHub contact card section, which is which will pop up if it finds that email. I guess on GitHub, show you that users whoever emailed you showed you the uh, their their GitHub information. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean if maybe this is what. Uh, like a lot of, and th this makes it really easy to, you know, if you want some feature in your mail client, you can just write a plugin for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really great idea. Like, you know, everyone's gonna have a different, a different use for their email client. It just sort of comes back to like what Thun well, Mozilla Thunderbird was, and Mike, I believe uh, Thunderbird has has add-ons and stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, it's got add-ons, and you can download the source. Um, you just have to learn Zool. And like Mozilla JavaScript, which it's it's not impossible to learn, but it's it's definitely a different experience than just like picking up some React and and using kind of like these webby like what's hot and cool right now versus what was hot and cool ten years ago um, in Mountain View. Right. So yeah. So it's 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 interesting to sort of see that we're, we're back again. Everybody's really excited about open source mail clients. Uh, it's extensible and so on. Uh, yeah, and it looks really nice. Like, they've got, obviously, designers working on it, so that's, like, a big thumbs up. 
Yeah. Um, they also got support. So they're they're because they got their own servers running, and uh, but also they open source all the servers so you can host it yourself. Uh, as some of the some of the documentation states is that if you don't trust um, with any if you don't trust something with uh, with the mail client or the sync server, you can host everything yourself and uh, yeah, use it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like this is a it's a company, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess that's their model. Is they're perhaps selling support and hosting, but it's all open source. So knock yourself out and contribute, which is which is cool. Yeah, they're the next generation email platform. So email is back and it's looking good. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised uh, there's not that many issues on a on the issue tracker yet. Uh, yeah, it's surprising for a project with like almost ten thousand stars. Yeah, so it maybe uh, it could have been it could have been on Hacker News and people really liked the design, but uh, I'm not sure how many people actually tried it yet. It's uh, because yeah, no one's no one's actually been able to figure out how to download it. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I'm gonna definitely try to build it again and see uh, see how it works, but uh, yeah. So that's N1, an extensible mail client. And we're gonna include that one in our show notes. I'm gonna I'm gonna clone it right now and see if I can get it to build. You can edit this out. <laughs> yeah, I mean I tried it twice and uh, it's complaining about some negative oh, things. If you can't build it, there's no way I can yeah, build it. Yeah, there's a GCC thing that I probably need to hook up here. Um, you just run n1.sh. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that's what uh, that's what you do. That's kind of what it. I mean, oh, yeah. just... npm install. I should. You should probably do that first. Yeah. <laughs> it's like cannot locate electron. What does that mean? Oh, there we go. So it's got the it's a Bootstrap script uh, that will. Yeah, it just does some. It looks like it just does some, uh, like environment detection, and then basically runs it. Yeah. So they use our build tools like Grunt need to be compiled against Node, and then everything else needs to be compiled against Chromium with APM. So there's a lot going on in this project. If you're interested in sort of uh, looking how. Uh, how apps work with Electron. This is a massive thing that uh, hopefully will build build for me right now. Next up, we've got this computer science project by the Open Source Society. Uh, Ricky, I believe you tried that one before. I've tried it. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you tried computer science? Have, Ricky? I, tried, have I tried computer science? Yeah. So uh, they got almost 8,000 stars and 31 contributors. Um, and it's uh, they call it a path to a free self-taught education in computer science. So this is this is basically just a series of markdown documents and whatnot, right? Is that what? Is that yeah. What so like we talked about live streamer, like where people assemble into you know sort of trying to solve the capture the live stream problem. In this case, they're trying to solve is. Um, Trying to organize all the free courses for computer science and build. Yeah, a... so they just they just basically grab all the EDX and Coursera stuff out there and just sort of create one spot for all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's got it's got a nice curriculum, kind of like a structured like. Yeah. This this is something that would you would experience in college. Um, They've got twelve weeks of computer science, then nine weeks of. Uh, 
computer science or just programming using Python and then 10 weeks of data science uh, and there's plenty of uh, math and program design and it's all organized for you uh, how much effort you want to put into it if you want to put you know six, four to six hours five to seven hours yeah that's a really cool breakdown of how they how they actually give the duration and the effort yeah so just if you just go to uh, open source society computer science uh, on github and we'll have it in the show notes uh, you can just scroll in the readme and find what you like um, for instance, if we choose cloud computing, it will link you out an external to external course, but uh, at least it's sort of combined together, and you can uh, sort of build your own curriculum and uh, build your own course load, and uh, yeah, choose what you like: machine learning, big data, data mining, Internet of Things. I would like that one. Yeah, if yeah, if, if, you make, if you make it that far, you've already built your own home mirror, so you're you're ahead of the game. Yeah, they, wow. they they version their their thing as well, so they have releases and uh, they have they have the community is pretty pretty large. They've got their own Facebook page, Gitter chat, their own Reddit, their own Google group. So you know whatever you like using to communicate with people on the internet, they'll they'll talk to you through it. Cool. And it uses sources uh, such as Coursera, some of the Google Guide. Google Guides and uh, EDX, MIT OpenCourseWare, and uh, yeah, all those things. And it's and it's even versioned, right? Yeah. The curriculum has they use semantic versioning. Yeah, so it's some one day it'll be 2.0. Uh, Breaking changes to the <laughs> hyperlinks. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's something if if you're looking into getting. To, if you if you if you like cor taking courses and you don't want to go to school, uh, you can just stay at home and go through these courses. Next up, we've got Rollup. Rollup.js, next generation ES6 module bundler, that can be found on rollupjs.org. How are you liking it, Mikey? I know you use it every day. Yeah, all all the time. Um, so so this is actually something. Who showed this to me? Did you show this to me, Vlad? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was my one contribution to this podcast list, and it was something that Vlad showed me. Yeah. Um, I was I was having a, I was in Paris like one or two weeks ago, uh, for a work week thing, and we were talking about this project we work on, and um, I'm really lazy, and I haven't really moved it to any kind of module system. I'm just using like globals and script tags and I know that's not cool. And it's it's okay when you've got a small web app, small project. Um, as it grows and you want to make things more modular, it's like, oh, this sucks. I should have done this the right way. Um, and so Rollup looked interesting because, so like when you're going to pick a module system for, for JavaScript, you have what, like 17 options of what you can do? Um, oh, you can make your own too. Or you can roll your own if you're insane, but people keep doing it, right? Um, They're rolling it up. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Vlad. <laughs> so roll up JS, yeah. What? It's 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 very good. I, I like what they're doing. They. Uh, so it's it's basically like Browserify, except you're writing everything ES twenty fifteen. Except, yeah, it, it generates bundles smaller than Browserify or Webpack. Or, web, you know. or the Webpack equivalent. Yeah, so it's... 
you can eliminate unused libraries, and you also have a way of, uh, it also gives you a way to export as AMD, uh, globals, or UMD. So if you're starting to build a library today, um, and you sort of do not to depend, <clears throat> if you do not depend on a lot of external components uh, that you have to import that do not support ES6, you can definitely use this and uh, package your app, build it for every possible uh, format, AMD, CommonJS, and again, ES2015 or Globals or UMD, and share your library and, you know, it will work for for a lot of people because, you know, some people still use AMD, some people still use uh, Globals, so they will just import your library, they'll choose the version that they want, but at least you give them, you give them five options which it's plenty, and I think that's. I think with the current climate of the, the module war in JavaScript, that's the way to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I'm. I'm happy to rewrite all my modules to ES6 modules. Um, that's like the technical debt I have to pay off. But kind of the the gotcha here is when you're you need to use. You know, I, I use Lodash and Backbone and jQuery. It's if if those aren't authored in ES6 modules, it doesn't work. So yeah, you might be tricky. You might have to jump through a few hoops there yeah. uh, to import your favorite library into your module. But uh, at least, sort of, if you if you go through that step, you, in the end of the day, when you actually build the bundle, you, it will save you a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this is super slick. It's uh, it's really well done. Yeah, it's, it's got 11 contributors and already had 51 releases, even though it's been out for like two months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, pretty much two, two months. Which is pretty pretty crazy. So it's it's it could be the next big thing in uh, in your JavaScript daily hacking. So you can find it at rollupjs.org and uh, yeah, 600 stars for now, but uh, we'll see how that goes. And, 18 open issues and 81 closed issues. Nice. So they're pretty serious about it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to try to find the license as we usually do, and the license MIT. And uh, plenty of contributors. 11 contributors so far. Good. Good. Um, I'm I'm gonna go back to to the N1 mail client. I actually got the thing to build. Amazing. And I ran it, but then when I click start, it tells me I need an invitation code to connect. So <laughs> perfect. So you, so you got now you're gonna build a sync server, Mike. Yeah. yeah. So while you, we talk about our next thing, you can start building that. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful error message or whatever you call this thing. So it's it makes me want to use it if I had a code. So they put the, they put their uh, all the time in their error messages. Yes, yes. Perfect. Next up, we've got SmartCrop.js by Jonas Wagner from Switzerland. It's already got almost 4,000 stars. Now, what, what this SmartCrop.js does is implements an algorithm to find good crops for images. And uh, it's got plenty of tests and uh, plenty of examples as well. Ricky, I know. Have, do you have any uses for Smart Crop JS? Uh, I mean, I can, I can think. I can't really think of anything offhand, but I mean, I was just looking at the the main page here, and one of the first comments is somebody saying that 
they would love this as a plugin for WordPress. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, yeah, I guess in the context of like a content management system, it sort of it sort of makes sense, right? You would want something like this for avatars or you know whatever. What's interesting with this project is uh, all the source is two years old, but then there's an updated README uh, just a couple of days ago. It's just kind of... 20, 21 hours ago. Yeah, I wonder what happened there. Yeah, he wrote this way be way ahead of its time, and, and then someone noticed, right? Yeah, so and he they noticed. Fixed, yeah. he fixed, his, his last commit was fixing a typo, so <laughs> impressive. Yeah, very interesting. So it's really got you got a popular on GitHub, and I guess uh, yeah, I, maybe you, for your for projects like this, it just they just need to be noticed, uh, and then you know it, it explodes and everybody starts using it. Uh, some of the examples they have, I guess you can crop slideshows, you can crop uh, different images. Uh, if you have, I guess this, uh, if you upload avatars or profiles to your apps or sites, you can definitely use this. Yeah, and it's it's down at the bottom. It's kind of cool. It, there's two ports that they link to, one one written in Go and one written in Python. So um, people taking this guy's brains and and porting them to other backends. What um, what seems interesting to me is using this if you use responsive images, right? So you want to provide. You've got like maybe a large so on the on the readme there's this picture of this cool looking gandalf graybeard guy sitting on the bench mm-hmm. um and and the full shot might might be great on a tablet or a or a desktop computer but for your mobile site if you're going to use picture element etc um you can you can have a nice way to just like automate this this kind of uh image set creation, so that seems pretty cool. Yeah, so it finds regions of faces and skin, and I guess looks for people in the photos as well, so um, really cool. And yeah, as you mentioned, it's sort of ahead of its time. Now people have to deal with, uh, now developers have to deal with responsive images, as you say, and uh, yeah. It's it's doing a great job. It's it This particular one is works in Node.js with uh, Node Canvas and also in the browser. And you said, as you said, uh, there are solo ports already. Uh, there might be. We should write one in Rust as uh, smartcrop.rust. I'm I'm gonna rewrite this in CoffeeScript. Oh, well, that's the problem. <laughs> you joke about just, it, but the... you just go to like the JS to Coffee website, right, and then you're done. I'll jungle. Oh man, that sounds great. Let's and... let's. <laughs> We have a recurring theme going back to the N1 email client while we were building it. It's actually 86% CoffeeScript. So <laughs> I don't want to blame anybody, but it's probably CoffeeScript that's preventing us to building it properly. <laughs> right. Cool. That's all the projects we have for this episode. But uh, we'll be back in two weeks with more open source. Now, uh, Mike, where can listeners find you? You can find me on the internet, um, MikeTaylor.com without the O, so M-I-K-E-T-A-Y-L-R.com. Perfect. And what about you, Ricky? Uh, I, you can find me also on the internet. My website is ricky.codes. Got one of those sweet new TLDs. 
Uh, and I actually, <laughs> actually changed my name on Twitter and GitHub. So you're Ricky Codes everywhere. Ricky Codes everywhere now, yeah. Amazing. And where can we find you online, Vlad? Uh, you can find me at vf.io, and uh, that will lead you to my Twitter, GitHub, or anything. And, uh, yeah, contact me if you want to talk about something. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Open Source System Podcast. Uh, check out our show notes for the projects we talked about. And we'll be back in two weeks with more open source for you. 